Hi, welcome to another Power Blast podcast where we provide nourishment for the soul, allowing you to transform from the inside out, providing rapid results in mindset and fitness so you can recharge your battery and reclaim your power. Hey, if you've ever struggled on that diet roller coaster, you're in for a treat. Lots going to be revealed today. My special guest is Esther Avant. She is a personal trainer, a sports nutritionist, and oh my gosh, so many certifications here. And she's going to help you master the three C's of success. What are those about? So that you can stay consistent and stay off that roller coaster forever. So let's get to that incredible interview you're going to love this one. All right. Hey, my friends. Welcome to another Power Blast podcast. I have personal trainer, sports nutritionist, and podcaster, Esther Avant, on the call today. Welcome, Esther. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. Oh, it's so cool. And I can't wait to to learn your story and for, well, not only me, but the people listening to it. Um, as I'm going through your website and looking at all you do and looking at listening to some episodes of your podcast, you've got like a laundry list of degrees and certifications. And I'm guessing that you're like, oh, I'm not done. There's going to be tons of them. But everything from personal training to exercise science to performance nutrition, performance now what sports nutrition, healthy behaviors, coaching, lifestyle coach. I had I had to take a breath there. Um, prenatal coaching. I'm I'm betting you like coach astronauts. I don't know. <laughs> I would love to. Like uh, we'll we'll get into some space food stuff. Uh, yeah, it's kind of happened. It's it's largely because I've been doing this for a long time. I'm midway through year seventeen. Mm. Well, part of it is just when you stick with anything long enough. <laughs> You accumulate some some accolades, and yeah. yeah, part of it is just sort of the the quest for my own knowledge. That's how I ended up with the okay. pre and postnatal certification. Is I got pregnant, and I was like, I feel like I could know more about what's going on here and what I should be doing. And I'm sure that there's going to be more in the future that mm-hmm. piques my interest. But I have started to slow my roll a little bit. Because I realized earlier in my career, I was pursuing more certifications and internships and all, you know, the letters and all the things out of fear that I didn't know enough or that I wasn't ready or unqualified, you know, the imposter syndrome. And Mm. it sort of became this crutch to avoid doing the business stuff and putting myself out there and expressing my opinions and trying to convey what I knew in a way that was useful for people. So over time, I realized, all right, you're going to get your continuing ed credits no matter what. That's not something you need to worry about. So let's take that time you would have been devoting to another cert that is probably pretty similar to stuff you already know and put it towards mm-hmm. something that's actually going to move your business forward, which is the point of learning all that stuff in the first place. Ah, the very cool. That knowing and doing gap. <laughs> and we have that. We have that not only in the the business world stuff and getting all the certifications and the degrees. I did the same thing. I went to went to college, and then I'm like, well, I'm going to go into education. But they, you're more employable if you have this certification and this one and this one. The next thing I know, I'm on the seven and a half year plan. I'm going ah, so I can relate to that. But I uh, am and Evan want to say like an avid learner to learn those things too. And I was like, who can I serve with this? And I think sometimes it goes when it's in alignment with what it is that you're experiencing and those life moments, 
then it makes sense, huh? Yeah. And that you bring up a good point because part of what I've learned, I guess, as I've just gotten older is that learning isn't limited to certifications or degrees. And whereas before I feel like I was doing things just to get the qualification. Now I read a ton. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I try to get diverse voices in, you know, in my brain and I realize how much I can learn just from doing those things that don't, Mm -hmm. you know, equal CCs or a particular, um, qualification, but they do make me a well-rounded, well-read, well-listened, well-listened individual. Mm -hmm. And that benefits me and my clients as well. Yeah. When you can find those things as opposed to saying, you know what, that'll look good in a resume. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So what's your journey? I want to hear your story because and a lot of us, we get to certain places just because we, of our experiences or because of the obstacles we faced or, you know, whatever the, the adventures have been. But that's what intrigued me to reach out to you was um, it wasn't the laundry list of degrees and stuff like that. It was like, OK, there's a story here. And I know many of us can learn from that. But what, what is your journey? How did you come to do what it is that you do? Yeah, journey is the perfect word for it because it has been such a an evolution. It started mm-hmm. off, I don't know if you remember the movie Office Space. It came out in like the early 2000s. That was one of my favorite really? movies at the time. And it came out when I was in late high school and needing to start making decisions about college major, where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do with my life. And Mm -hmm. in hindsight, I realized I have completely butchered the scene of the movie to fit my, my narrative now, but. So you weren't just going for a smaller cubicle. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) But the, the takeaway that I had from it was there was a scene where one of the characters said, whatever you would do, if you had a million dollars is what you should do for a job. Um, (laughs) What the character said was I would do two chicks at once. Um, So that was not my not my takeaway from it. Um, but it did sort of open my eyes to the very simple question of, well, what do you enjoy doing and what would be cool to continue to do and also get paid for? So at the time I had just discovered working out at the local YMCA and you know, really just doing like the Nautilus circuit of machines. And that was appealing to me because I was not particularly athletic growing up. And I went to a really small school where You could play sports regardless. You didn't have to be good. But I hated the pressure and the eyes and feeling like I was letting people down. So having something that was just me and my thoughts and and how hard I wanted to push just really clicked for me. So those two things kind of combined. I was like, well, I would like to get paid to work out. And found out exercise science was a major. Ended up going to Boston University, majoring in exercise science. Had no idea at the time that it was going to be super hard. And that I was largely, I became a personal trainer right after college, that I was largely now going to get paid to watch other people work out and have very little time to do it myself. Uh. Um, so in the the course of working with my first in-person clients at a, a big commercial gym, I realized that the exercise piece, though important, was really just kind of the, the tip of the iceberg when I had all of these mostly female clients with weight loss goals who would come in super frustrated that they're dropping, you know, a hundred bucks a session coming in once or twice a week and, you know, feeling stronger, feeling a little bit better, but not having much in the way of physical progress. So that's when I started getting into the nutrition piece because that really is what drives the physique changes. And that led to internships and certifications. And 
meanwhile, I'm in my mid to early 20s. I'm still trying to figure this stuff out myself. I was in the process of deciding, you know, do I want to stay in Boston? I ended up moving to California and just going through my own, what I now realize are very textbook challenges of things like binging and restricting, feeling like I needed to be perfect. Just a lot of, you know, just kind of different messy stuff where I felt like I know a lot, but I'm still struggling myself. So that's when I started getting into the psychology of behavior change and recognizing that exactly what you said earlier, the gap between knowing and doing is pretty big for a lot of us. And that the real key, both for myself and for my current and future clients, was to figure out how to bridge that gap. How do I take what I know and apply it to my life? And then as a coach, how do I take what I know and what's worked for me and not try to pigeonhole everyone I work with into that exact same process because it's not going to work for everybody. So how do I, you know, kind of come up with principles that apply to people and then help them with the customization that comes with their unique lifestyle? So that's kind of how I ended up with uh, like my coaching philosophy, I guess. And over time, I found myself gravitating towards a certain type of client who remind me of my mom. I lost her to colon cancer coming up on 12 years ago. And I realized that I think all along, probably part of what's driven my coaching career is wondering, you know, if she had had the help that I provide now, could it have made a difference in her health and in her lifestyle, in her happiness, kind of all of those things. And I know what she tried and it didn't, and that didn't work. I know what my clients are trying that doesn't work. And I know that at the, at the core of it, it needs to be love, empathy, compassion led coaching that sees clients as individual worthy human beings, regardless of size, regardless of any of that. And to know that it's not just about the number on the scale or even a specific health marker, that there's so much more to making lasting lifestyle changes than mm-hmm. meets the eye. And that really is is the the part I'm most passionate about is how do we dig beneath the surface and figure out what's been holding you back all along and how do we overcome that? So there's my very long-winded <laughs> answer about my journey. <laughs> yeah, it's a grand journey. And it's so so cool that you you went on the adventure to come to that realization. Um, I think sometimes, at least in my experience, where sometimes the mindset stuff can seem so, even the psychology behind it or even the self-image stuff that a lot of times limits us or limits somebody from moving forward or the fact that we're putting all of our all of our energy and momentum to defending our limitations and our excuses than we are in putting in, you know, it's like, oh gosh, I just put in all this energy and the excuse and I could have gotten a workout done, you know, but sometimes that becomes abstract for people. How do, how do you bridge that? Or, you know, you don't even have to say how, but you know, why is that important to bridge that for somebody so that I, I, I found this a couple of times on your website where you were talking about, um, I know this is dieting, but it could be a fitness thing, the, that roller coaster where it's coming fast paced and there's ups and downs and twists and turns and I'm on it. 
and I'm off it. Um, I, I exercise, I don't exercise. I, I eat right, uh, but I'm depriving myself and then I overeat, you know, those sort of things. You're absolutely right. And we have, I have a term that I coined called compassionate ownership. And I think that is, that's what, that's the skill that bridges the gap. It's the acknowledgement that you deserve the same empathy and compassion you would give to anyone else. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to try. And it's okay when you're human. And also that it's your responsibility to make these changes and that the goals that you've set are important to you. So no one can do this work for you and learning to sort of toe that line where you accept your imperfections and also you know that you are capable of showing up for yourself better than you have been and you start actually doing that. You touched on something that I say all the time, which is that you can either focus on excuses or solutions. And Mm. part of what I love about taking a health focus is that all of the lessons from health are applicable elsewhere in our lives. And I think when you learn it in health, you have like, not only does being healthier benefit you for all sorts of reasons, but those, those lessons and those principles, you start to see the parallels of where they apply to something else. And it's funny you said, you know, I could have gotten a workout in, in the time I just spent justifying not. I had a very similar conversation with my son earlier where he was having a little bit of a meltdown about a piece of mango. And I said, in the time you spent complaining about this, you could have figured out how to get it on your fork and be done with it. And just starting to, the other term I like is starting to parent yourself. If you're a parent listening to this and you have toddlers or teenagers, you're probably very familiar with how whiny or, you know, tantrumy they can be. And, you know, they're kind of stomping around so angsty of like, I just don't want to. And you just say, well, too bad. This is what's happening. You can like it or not, but this is what's happening. Sometimes we need to treat ourselves with that same kind of tough love, knowing that the things we're, you know, quote unquote, forcing ourselves to do are ones in our best interest that are going to help us achieve a long-term goal. And if we just don't want it in the, in the moment, if our inner toddler is, is throwing a tantrum, too bad. Do it anyway. Inner toddler. Okay. I've got some, we got some catchphrases going on here today and Hey, you can use those, put them out on social media, hashtag them, whatever. Um, I love that. Uh, that ownership stuff, that was a, a big shift for me. Now, while I'm not going to share my story, um, that that was the part where I'm looking at, you know, all the, I'm wanting to get in shape. So I'm like, okay, what are what are the procedures out there that I might be able to do? I'm, I'm looking for a quick, easy edit undo button of unhealthy habits. And so I'm, I'm looking for all these things, whether it's on the shelf at the grocery store, at the pharmacy, I'm looking at procedure, I'm looking at all these things. And so that ownership piece, when you step back and say, you know what, I need to take responsibility for this, not in a guilt trip sort of fashion, because some people do that. They do the guilt trip sort of thing, get down on themselves, dig themselves into a cave and then ignore the salute, you know, ignore the possibility. You take this, um, approach to saying, you know what, I take responsibility. If I got myself into it, chances are, and I know I can turn it, turn it around. Doesn't have to be an overnight thing because when it comes to health and fitness, and that's, that's the interesting thing. I, maybe you can uh, expand on this. 
we, we, health and fitness sometimes has its own little unique things because we want results so darn quick. Maybe it's because it's been pitched that way on infomercials and magazines and commercials, wherever, or something we've been brought up with. But literally, I mean, for me, making that shift, like you said, the compassionate ownership stuff, and I'm pointing at a notebook while I'm reaching over here, that was where it's like, okay, now here's the goal. There's going to still be these obstacles, you know, all the all the come back to the comfort zone sort of thing. You know, you want abs, but geez, stuffed crust pizzas over here. It's an easy. Um, but th- those things that was like that ownership and responsibility to move forward constantly saying, that's my goal. I know I'm going to face challenges, but I'm still going after my goal. Any any thoughts on that or what your experience has been? Yeah. I'm nodding vigorously to all the things. Um, first one being the, I, I do think there are some kind of unique nuances to health and weight loss that um, I think it's just more emotional than other areas of our lives. And, you know, if we were talking about finances or something, we all logically know if you want to, you know, save 10 grand this year, you're not going to wake up the next morning with that in your bank account. It's going to be little by little. You're going to have to figure out what am I going to, you know, where am I going to cut my spending or how am I going to save this? And what can I realistically do each week, each month that eventually is going to add up to this amount? And that's, that's how weight comes on. It's how weight comes off. It's a gradual experience, which is why so many of us don't even notice it happening. And then suddenly our pants don't button and we're like, wait, when did this happen? It wasn't overnight, but it feels like it. And it's hard to remember that the reverse is also true, that it's going to come off slowly and much more so than you would like. And that's just how it is. Mm -hmm. And I think acceptance of that is important. And the other piece that, um, oh my gosh, yeah, just, uh, I just lost my train of thought. The other piece that you touched on was what? spoke a lot about a different things. I was just kind of rambling there. Yeah. No, there was something really good that I was like, I definitely want to, to mention. Um, it will probably come back to me if it was important. Um, and I will, I will try to loop it back in. Um, but, um, I do think that the emotion behind health and weight loss goals makes it more difficult to see clearly. And that that's where it can be very helpful to, either have help, have a coach in your corner who's helping you see, you know, helping you kind of keep perspective and stay grounded um, or make sure that you're being really, really diligent about tracking a variety of metrics that you're not letting all of your success ride on the scale or things like that. Uh, I think that can make a a big difference. Yeah. I mean, scale some data, (laughs) Um, but for a lot of people, there's so much emotion and things attached to that number, especially when you've got the self-talk going on that says, but I did good all week long. I busted my butt all week long. I did these things all week, you know, for all month. And then, you know, in that number defines it. And so that's, and that was one of the things with the responsibility stuff that, that I, th- I found was like, I could barely do two push-ups. What the heck happened? And we drift so far off course sometimes we don't see it. I don't know if you've ever done snorkeling before. I always relate yeah. this to snorkeling. So you're you're looking under the water. Everything's so cool and all this stuff. You're just on another adventure or another path or another world. Life is going on. 
you look up and you're like drifted so far away from the, it's like, how did I get here? That sometimes happens with our, with our journey. And it's like, how did I get here? And sometimes we've drifted so far, of course, we can't even see the shore. And now if we start going in some direction, which direction am I going further out to sea? Am I going to go back to, so we're, we're figuring things out. Um, one thing that I, I found that you, you talk about these things called like the three C's I saw there. It was like consistency, commitment, confidence. How do those blend in to help that person who is just like, you know what? I, I I've been working for a month on this. The, the, Scales bar- hasn't budged much. Yeah, I'm able to do an extra five push-ups or something like that, and maybe a, a little more energy. But the scale and the inches aren't coming off, and I, I still can't fit in my jeans. Yeah, great question. So the first C I would address there is commitment. Generally, when you're feeling like you start to waver after you know a month or so, we call that time period the grind, where the level of effort is still pretty high. It still doesn't feel habitual or normal or easy, and also you don't have a ton to show for it, so you kind of have the worst of both worlds. That is when you are most vulnerable to giving up, Mm -hmm. and it's when you really can't because if you continue to, you will never get over that hump to actually see the results and for it to, to feel easier. So the first thing I would address is your commitment, and by that, I mean diving into why your goal actually matters beyond the surface level, beyond the aesthetic. I just, you know, that's what my license says, or I just want these clothes to fit a little bit better. Really what's driving you? How will this goal change your life? And one of the best ways to, to kind of get connected to that is the five whys exercise, which you've probably heard in, in a lot of different areas. Essentially, you treat yourself like a toddler. I want to lose 25 pounds. Why? Well, because I'll, you know, my clothes will fit better. Why does that matter? And you just keep asking why and getting beneath the surface. And generally what it ends up revealing is something much deeper and more emotional. I'm scared that I'm going to, you know, have the same lifestyle related illnesses that my parents do. And I see how they're aging and I don't want that for myself. I want to be around to see my kids grow up and get married by the time they have kids of their own, I want to be able to still be getting down on the ground and playing with them. Maybe I feel like I'm playing small in my life. I'm not happy in my relationships or my career. And I want the confidence to pursue those things. Maybe I have causes that I'm passionate about, but I don't think anyone will listen to me because I'm so insecure with who I am. That's usually what comes out. And when that's what you're working for, it's much easier to keep going even when it feels like you don't have much to show for it because you're like, well, what's the alternative? This is so important to me. I cannot give up. So I guess I have to keep going. That's number one. Once you have that commitment, the consistency starts to fall into place more. Generally, the consistency is the most obvious one that most people know needs some improvement, but don't know why they're struggling with it. And that's that's the commitment. Um, So with consistency, what I find to be the sweet spot is about 85%. Most people hover either do like the all or nothing kind of light switch of they're trying to do way too much at once. They do it temporarily. They fall back into nothing or they've got a bunch of the pieces in place. They're doing a good chunk of the the right things, a good chunk of the time, but not enough to get over that threshold where it starts to pay off. Uh, and that's incredibly frustrating. So that's kind of the, the question to ask yourself is, am I 
showing up consistently enough? And, and when I'm showing up, am I doing it to the best of my ability, not just like check the box and say that I did? Yeah. So those are kind of the, the two more obvious C's. The one that I find is generally underlying any issue with either of those is confidence. Hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you really believed that what you were doing was going to work and get you to your goal, there's no reason you wouldn't be doing it. It would be this very straightforward, like you were saying, you kind of just map out like, where am I? Where do I want to be? What are the steps to get there? Boom, done. So when it's not that straightforward, very often there's an element of, I don't think it's going to work either period or specifically for me. Um, I have tried before and failed. So why would this time be any different? I've achieved it before, but I wasn't able to maintain it. So, you know, what's going to be different? And generally just that sort of self-doubt. And when you have that self-doubt beneath the surface, that inner critic pops up all the time. When you're already feeling low, when you're in the grind and you're like, yeah, I'm working hard, nothing's working. Yeah, your inner critic is popping up. I'm like, yeah, of course it's not because you're fat and lazy and unmotivated and you're always going to be and you might as well just stop now because it's, you know, you can't do anything about it. So that generally I think is what requires some, some work really figuring out what are the things that I'm telling myself? What is that inner critic saying? And how do I get better about not listening to it all the time? It's never going to go away entirely. We all have that piece of us, but we can develop the skills to quiet it and to counter it with either questions of like, you know, that that's not really true. Or, you know, why do you think that? Or what evidence do you have um, to the contrary? And to start giving equal airtime to the the possibilities of, well, what if I could? What would it look like if I showed up as a confident version of myself and just believed that it was going to work? That's a lot of the work that's beneath the surface for people and is why it's so hard both to achieve health and weight loss goals and to maintain them once you get there. Yeah, you bring up some really great things. And even with the consistency and commitment to the actions and activities of who your, let's say, your ideal healthy fit self is, that... um that consistency and commitment to the, even the confidence stuff to the building that belief takes its own, it's kind of like your own mental workout. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're kind of going in and needing to needing to constantly, co- you know, silence that, so, you know, that inner critic. And I think it's great to bring about the awareness of it because many of us have that little secret self in us that don't, that we just keep private to ourselves, you know, things that we've never say to anybody else, things that we probably wouldn't even reveal unless we're talking to maybe a therapist. And it, it it's, a, uh, I'm glad your coaching and mentorship stuff helps that helps the person go through that because I, I can see where then it is the start stop roller coaster stuff. This works, this doesn't work until you hit a tipping point and start again. Right. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that because I've coached hundreds of women, most of whom have felt alone and like there was just something wrong with them. I'm the only person who, insert the blank, that literally everyone experiences. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a a part of why fostering community is so important to have these conversations and to normalize. It's not just you. There's nothing wrong with you. You just have a human brain Mm -hmm. and that's what brains do. And let's talk about it so you don't feel isolated and, and insecure. And I love the idea of a mental workout because that's really what it is, is we, we recognize I got to put in the reps with my 
exercise. I got to put in the reps with my healthy meals. And we, if you're, if you even have like the mental work on your radar, it's often in this sort of black and white, I should just be able to get over this as if Mm -hmm. we learn one tool or we hear one thing and then it's just cured. And that's not how it works. If you think about how many times you've played the existing soundtrack in your brain of all the negative stuff, it's probably thousands of of times. Most of the self-talk that that we do, right, is Mm -hmm. is negative. So if you think about how many reps you have at that as compared to how many reps you have at the new thing, of course that has a stronger pull over you. And it is just a matter of time to continue casting votes towards that new soundtrack until eventually you tip the scales in that direction and that becomes your norm. Creating a new soundtrack out there, people. I forget the name of the album, but we'll just call it All About You. <laughs> I, I went into DJ mode because it was a, I love the way you said that. I love it. Um, that's really cool. So you know, somebody might be sitting here listening and going, okay. We got a lady who's a personal trainer here. She's been doing this for, I don't know how long, probably since birth, but she said it was not until later in high school-ish. Haven't you ever gone through your own journey where it was the, the struggle? You can't relate to me. I mean, so so what do you say to somebody like that? You know, it's funny. One of my absolute favorite clients, I worked with her at a, a rec center in Virginia Beach probably 10 years ago now. She... Once we got closer, we worked together for a long time. Once we got closer, she said, I just have to tell you that my first impression of you was, what does this skinny bitch know about my struggles? And I so appreciated hearing that because I don't, I don't know if prior to that, I really had the awareness to realize how other people perceived me because I knew my own struggles. I knew that this had not always come easily to me. And I don't know that I ever really put together, well, on the outside, you look like you're making it easy. So people just assume that. So that was really eye-opening for me. And I think it's a a good lesson in, you know, you never know the battles that other people are fighting. Mm. I just had a conversation on another podcast about um, how we all, you know, think we have like that one unicorn friend who doesn't have to care about what she eats and she doesn't have to work out and it's just easy for her. And that if you're really new, you'd probably find out that's not the case. It actually is an effort for her. Or maybe that does come easily, but she's struggling in another area. So nobody, no matter how polished they look on social media or what they look like externally, has it all figured out, myself included. And part of what I pride myself on is being as real on the internet as I am in real life. And that includes owning when I'm stressed or emotional And I eat half a jar of peanut butter standing in the kitchen or when I tell myself, okay, you've, you know, you've loosened the reins for long enough. You got to start dialing it in. And then I order French fries for dinner again. I think it's just so important to be transparent about that because we need to, we need to make it clear that what you're facing is universal. And Mm -hmm. although taking it back to reps, although I have a lot of reps, for this version of myself, and it does now come much more easily to me than it used to. Mm -hmm. That's because I've been doing this for decades and I still stumble, but a lot less. There's actually a, I don't know if it's an analogy or, or what that I like, but thinking about, you know, taking a walk and you take the same route every day and every day you fall in the same hole. You don't even see it coming. You just keep falling in the hole. And 
eventually at some point you kind of develop the awareness of like somewhere on this road, there's a hole and you still keep tripping in it, but at least you know it's there somewhere. And you get better and better at being like, okay, it's, it's before this tree, so look out for it. And you start being able to sidestep it. And then at some point you're like, you know what? I could just take a different route and avoid this hole altogether. But sometimes you still take that way and you trip in it again. That to me is what progress looks like is you first you're unaware, then you have the awareness, but you don't have the skills. And then you're practicing the skills and you're you know decent and you just get better and better. So instead of expecting that one day you're going to be perfect or not struggle with this anymore, you'll look back and be like, huh, it's happening a lot less often. When it does happen, I'm much less hard on myself and I can change course much more quickly and just move on rather than wallowing in it and having it become this whole, you know, big thing. It's mm-hmm. just like, oh, dust yourself off, take compassionate ownership and move forward. Yeah. That's a beautiful uh, illustration that you have there because then it, the, when other roads come along and there's a little pothole, then it's like, oh, I know what to do now. Exactly. Um, and, and the other thing, you, you've, so you've been at this a while and it's that you're sharing in the transparency and the message to that person that may be listening that's going, okay, I have been in that start, stop, start, stop thing. Know that you've got evidence of somebody that's been doing this, what, 17 years, did you say? Mm-hmm. Um, so visualize yourself at 17 years from now, putting in the reps and the consistency and the commitment and wouldn't you, wouldn't you have some knowing that if you were going that far, that consistently, wouldn't you have a little bit more trust and belief that there's going to be some changes along the way? (laughs) I love that. One of my favorite quotes is about how we overestimate what we can accomplish in a day, a week, a month, and Mm -hmm. we underestimate what we can accomplish in a year. It's so, so true that we tend to have this like really short-term focus of, I want to lose 20 pounds before, you know, this vacation. And then we get caught up in that cycle of starts and stops and we don't lose as much as we wanted. Then we gain it back on vacation and blah, blah, blah. If instead you just said, I'm committing to a healthy lifestyle period. Mm -hmm. And I have, you know, however many 40, 50 years ahead of me, you have plenty of time to Mm -hmm. get in the reps, to learn the skills, to develop the tools and to, 10 years from now, look back and be like, I had no idea that this was possible. I could never have imagined that I'd be here. And it starts mm-hmm. with just removing that, that time frame and just saying these have to be long-term changes. Yeah. I, I love what you're saying, Esther, because it's, it's stepping into who that next level version of you is, that, that healthy fit version. What is it they do? What, what, what do they think? But never keeping it in the future. It's starting being that now. Yep. Um, because... Should you keep saying, well, this is a lifestyle thing. I'll get to it one day. Well, then it isn't, you haven't made a decision. You haven't made a commitment. None of of those three C's are going to call. Well, the three C's will fit fit for you, but they'll take you in a direction you probably don't want. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I love that you said that because it is, it, it is looking at this thing. You know what? I am a person who exercises. I am a person who eats right most of the time or makes healthy decisions or at least brings healthy groceries and have, have great options into my, um, into my house, you know, th- those sort of things. And so that, how does all this tie in or maybe you even already just helped? Does this all help somebody just stay off that roller coaster? And then there is no roller coaster. There's no, it's just, the journey is, is yeah. the, the whole, it's the ticket adventure. off the, yeah. 
the way I like to think about it is instead of being on a roller coaster, you're on a hike. Mm. The difference is being you are in control. You get to decide where you're going. You get to decide who you're with. You recognize that there are going to be ups and downs, but they're not nearly as drastic as on the roller coaster. And you can take it at your own pace and you can look around and you can enjoy the views along the way. And it's just a much different experience. There's never going to be a reality where everything in your life pauses so you can just focus on this aspect of your health. Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be those ebbs and flows. That's inevitable. That's like we were talking about in the beginning of just kind of accepting that there are going to be setbacks and, and obstacles and things like that. So knowing that that's part of it and to believe, to have the confidence to say, I am a strong, resilient person who can get through this. I will figure it out. And mm-hmm. in hindsight, there's probably going to be a lesson that it taught me along the way that serves me in the future. And I'm better equipped to handle other stuff that comes up and, um, and not feel as rocked by them. Okay. So that was minute 37. People, if you want to go back and listen to that part where you're talking about going through and saying, you know what, there are lessons along the way, but you got to pay attention to it. You got to be receptive to it. But Esther just told you. So minute 37, maybe, maybe go back to 36 because that's where she was starting. Anyway. <laughs> um, so who is that person that you typically work with and, you know, how, how can somebody find you or is there some sort of uh, program or things that you offer to uh, that you can offer to offer to our listeners? Yes. So first of all, if any of this has resonated with you, if you're identifying that, you know, perhaps compassionate ownership is a skill you need to develop. If you want to get off the the weight loss roller coaster, I have a quiz on my website. It's estheravant.com slash quiz, and it will help you identify one of which of the three major challenges is your first and foremost, whether it's the exercise and nutrition, big rocks and knowing where to attend to focus your attention, whether it's not having the support, the guidance, the accountability that you need, or if it's the compassionate ownership piece. So from there, depending on your result, I will give you some resources to help you develop that area get you off the roller coaster. It's absolutely free. So check that out. I also have my podcast called Live Diet Free and it covers- Free, cool. Yeah, thank you. It covers all the stuff, the exercise, the nutrition, the lifestyle, the mindset, everything that uh, that is interwoven with seeing lasting changes to your health. And lastly, I have a signature coaching program called Gone for Good. It's a 12-week all-encompassing program that covers- the exercise, nutrition, the support and accountability, and helping you develop the compassionate ownership. So if you are ready to really kind of jump in and take take these next few months to be the time for yourself and do this one last time, you would be, um, would be very welcome in our community. Wonderful. Wow. So we've got a quiz. We've got a podcast. We've got a coaching program. It's an all-in-one bundle, people. <laughs> no, it's, it, that's totally awesome that, that you can help um, – I love that you have a quiz. That's really, really cool. Yeah, it's fun. I love quizzes and I, I feel like they're such a low risk way for somebody to be like, let me just see. Um, and mm-hmm. one of the biggest things you, you mentioned this a little bit earlier is, you know, when we're, when we're snorkeling head down and we come up and we're like, I don't even know where the beach is. I don't know how to get back. Just that overwhelm, the information overload of there's so much being thrown at me. I don't even know where to begin. I think that, you know, getting a quiz result that says like, here's where to begin 
can be so comforting and really help you take that first step. And then from there, the next step and the next step start to reveal themselves once they get closer. Brilliant. I couldn't agree more. Hey, is there any, are there any last thoughts that you'd like to share? Like Perry, I'm dying to tell and share this. You just haven't asked the question. You've asked great questions. So I, I wouldn't say that, but I would say the thing I always like to kind of end with is just a reminder that all you ever have to do is just start. You can start small, meet yourself where you are, do whatever you're confident you can do as a small step in the right direction. Just get some momentum going, get some wins under your belt, prove to yourself that you can follow through on the small goals that you set. And from there, it's going to get so much easier. Um, so if let this, let this conversation be the sign that you needed to take that first step today. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much. This was a a delight. I'm so grateful that you had me. Well, I'm glad and we'll get this out. I will drop, so all of you still listening here, um, I will drop links in the show notes to that and we'll get the links out to YouTube and all the places that you can catch the podcast stuff. But Esther, it's been a joy and an honor to have you on Power Blast Podcast. Thank you so much. That's another Power Blast Podcast in the books. Thanks so much for tuning in. And remember, when you are ready to recharge your battery, make sure you go to talktoperry.com. That's talktoperry.com. That's P-E-R-R-Y. And I want to listen. I want to hear, you know, what's going on. I want to help you in that 15-minute call to recharge your battery and reclaim your power so that you're off and running and creating massive momentum toward your dream. Also, every day, I am delivering more motivation, support, tips, and strategies inside my free community with amazing people uh, like yourself. And we are conquering the mindset and the fitness. I do 52 weeks of free training in there. Plus, I coach and I mentor people as well as give you access to tons of resources and guides. Just head over to UpsideDownFit.com and you can get into the group. And hey, you would be an awesome friend. If you get over to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and Leave an honest rating and review for the Power Last Podcast. It helps awesome people like you find this show even faster. That's all I have for this week. I'll see you on the next Power Blast Podcast. And always remember, it's never too late. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.